You're listening to Nightcallers Bigfoot Radio. Good evening and welcome to Nightcallers Bigfoot Radio. You're here with your hostess, Lauren Smith. And tonight we're going to be chatting with Kathy Strain, who is a Bigfoot researcher, educator, and author. But before we get into it, I would like to ask that you show some love for the hardworking Nightcallers team by hitting that thumbs up on whatever platform you're listening to the show on. And don't forget to subscribe and ring that notification bell for updates on the new shows and content. Because, because I have, I have a lot, a of, lot new of new content coming at you, you with the new with year. The year. You can you find Nightcrawlers on, on YouTube, Facebook, Facebook Instagram, Instagram, Reddit, Reddit or, any or any podcast app of your choosing. And if, and you, if don't you don't find it on the podcast, podcast app that's your favorite, just shoot me a message and let me know and I can move the feed over to that one so that you can listen without having to download a new app. Before we get started, I did want to give a shout out real quick to Justin Snyder. Who is the director and um, star actor of the movie Path of the Beast. Um, You can actually watch that movie for free on Tubi or Amazon Prime if you have Amazon Prime membership. And it's a really good movie. I wanted to give a shout out. He sent me this great shirt. It's called, it says, Sticks and Stones Will Break Your Bones. has a big foot on it with a big stick ready to a tree knock or break your bones. And you can find that shirt on Bigfoot US on Etsy. And he has Bigfoot items. He has Black Eyed Kids. He has the movie. You can buy the DVD there. Um, the movie movie posters posters for everything. everything. So you guys go check it out. out. It's a really great movie. movie. Um, Um, He tells tells you ahead of time time that it is a low-budget film. film. So with that in mind, when you watch... I don't know about you guys, but as a Bigfoot researcher, 99% of the Bigfoot movies out there just end up making me mad. And so his movie's really refreshing because it's told kind of... He made sure to get the... He made made sure sure to get get the various various types of researchers researchers and all of that in there, there. Um, Um, all of their their viewpoints in there. there. So uh, I really enjoyed the movie. movie. You guys go check it out. out. Leave a review if you do. All right. Now we're going to go ahead and get to Kathy Strain. And thank you, Kathy, for being here tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. That's good. I'm very honored to have you here tonight. So hold on. Hold on. Hold on just a second. second. I'm having a little bit of echoing, I guess, so I'm going to drop it down a little bit and see if we can can fix that. I get really excited when I get on the show, and I tend to yell, apparently. My uh, partner, my uh, podcast partner, Matt Knapp, he hates it. Like, he, he can't stand it. He said, you know, we do a test run with your audio right here. He said, and then you get to talking about whatever subject you're passionate about, and you end up screaming at me, so... Really bad about that. Anyway, so, Kathy, I have been wanting to have you on the show for a very long time. I'm very excited to have you here tonight. And we already have questions rolling in from the chat. So, yeah, you've been a very much anticipated guest. Um, So I always start out with, how did you get started with this topic? Um, When I was a little girl, my mother allowed me to watch uh, Legend of Boggy Creek. And um, it both frightened me, but drew me in so much that I just never could get it out of my head, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I was about in the fifth grade or so, I asked my teacher, uh, what do I got to do to 
studied this, but you know what what would I do? And she goes, well, I think you should go into anthropology. You know, that's what I would think would study Bigfoot, and so that's the path that I took. You know, and I figured it out. Nobody's gonna pay me, you know, for Bigfoot, and so um, but. I had a natural passion already for history and prehistory and the outdoors because um, we never went to like Disneyland or anything like that when we were little kids. We went camping mm-hmm. all the time in national forests, national parks all over the United States. And so my dad would stop at every one of those, you know, those monuments that say, you know, a monument in five miles. And my dad would stop and we'd read it and all that stuff. So it was already part of who I was um, as you know, I had a, an affinity for it. So I went ahead and got my de- my bachelor's, my master's degree, and, you know, it just was a natural fit, and Bigfoot fits quite well into that that study as well. Okay. All right. Well, that, I mean, that's a heck of a way to get started. Most people say, you know, um, they saw the Patterson-Gimlin film or In Search Of or something like that. They found a book at the library. So, I mean, that's... Uh, that's definitely an interesting way to get started. Yeah, kind of outside it's, the norm. it definitely came to me earlier than I never saw the Patterson Gimlin film until like much later. Um, really, Leonard Nimoy, I think, was that that show. Uh, it's the first time, but I was already addicted, so it was it was too late by that time. <laughs> okay. Um, so, have you had a sighting? Yes, I have. I've okay. had three. I've seen three. four Bigfoot and can, yeah, four Bigfoot and three Lynx. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, so can you tell me about that? Sure. The first one, and you can imagine that, you know, I've been an anthropologist for 30 years and, and stuff, and, and so to get your first sighting is just finally, you know, it's this goal you want, but it's also, um, you have other mixed feelings with them. So the first one was in 2012, and we were in Oklahoma, and we were invited, my husband and I, Rob, invited to come down to um, look at this area that the North American Wood Ape Conservancy calls Area X and yes. get our, our, our opinion on it. And so we decided one year, let, let's go ahead and do it. They've been asking us for a while, and we said, Let, let's go ahead and go. And um, we got down there, and I, I have to uh, – I know people have said that that road getting in there is very difficult. And as a Forest Service employee, I have driven lots of – horrible roads, but that mm-hmm. really was the worst road I've ever been on in my life. I, I, I was fairly certain we were going to die, but we made it anyway. And so the first day we got there, nothing happened. It was completely boring. And then uh, the next day on Monday, the morning started out very boring, and then after that, um, my whole life changed. So it was daylight, and there's four cabins down there, and they all have aluminum roofs. And so starting in mid-afternoon or so, Something, something was throwing, was throwing rocks, rocks onto uh, the cabins. cabins. And the guys, there was five of us there, so four guys and, and myself. The guys would run over there and see what they could see or, tra- you know, what was the, the rock. And the second they'd get over there, another rock would get thrown on another uh, cabin. So they spent the afternoon running around crazy, um, checking out all these rock throws. And um, they finally came back, and we were sitting uh, – in a round circle around a uh, fire pit. There was no fire going because it's still daylight and there's plenty on. And um, one of the members of the group who, I, oh, I should clarify. So 
Arias is extremely thick with vegetation. It is just wall-to-wall trees or greenbrier or all these different kinds of vegetation. And there's very few pathways when you want to go from cabin to cabin or go someplace. You most There's just these narrow little trails. But one of the larger openings is the place we call the bottleneck because it was the, the largest. It probably a long, long time ago was a, a road, but had really overgrown. And so I'm the one facing uh, the bottleneck. Mm-hmm. And so one of our members, Mark, says, oh, I hear something walking and we were like, oh, it's probably that fox that would, would come around looking for scraps. And the next thing I know, I see two of them. So I, I'm a hand talker, so sorry about that. That's okay. But no, it's a video interview. Go for it. Yeah. But so um, I see a, a big one and a, and a little one coming right through that bottleneck. And, and the bottleneck is like this flat, and then there is a slope that goes up like this. And they're walking right along the edge of that slope, right at us. And I think they were trying to get behind a shed because that looks like what they were aiming for. But the the big one was also trying to make the little one leave the area. So the the big one would sort of go up the slope, but the little one would go forward instead. So they weren't in sync with each other. And so I stood up and I go, there they are. And I ran at them. And of course, they were like, ah, you know. And they turned and bolted up that hillside faster than anything I've ever seen in my entire right. life. It was like they were on a bungee. And they just went. And, and prior to that, they had been pretty loud. You know, they weren't trying to be quiet. So when they went up that hillside, they were so quiet and so effortless and so gliding that it was just like, what just happened? You know, not, not, humans can't move that fast. I mean, there was nothing I've ever seen that fast. Maybe a gazelle, but even a gazelle, you know, makes noise. It was inhuman, inhuman speed and grace, and yeah. And plus, you could that hillside was covered in green briar and and rocks and down logs and stuff, so it's not an easy uh, location to maneuver. And so, um, and unfortunately for me, we did have a camera that was sort of aimed at that location, but um, I didn't give them time to get in front of it. Instead, it just filmed me running by. Yeah. Unfortunate for me, but anyway, so that that whole rest of that week was just non-stop activity of rock throws, hearing something, smelling something, all that stuff. Um, And when we pulled out and finally got to the highway to start the trip home, we just felt like we had been through a war zone. We were just still just shocked and overwhelmed. And Mm -hmm. it was just, it was amazing at the same time, but it's just kind of like, you know, you expect a sighting. You don't expect a a whole week of activity where it's just nonstop and you can't get any sleep. And, you know, you don't turn your back on anything because you don't know what's going to happen. You guys were on edge the entire time, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah, so we had a pretty traumatic experience happened later that week where one of our members uh, got um, rushed by one. So, so he got so bluff charged? Or? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so it was a little terrifying. And then of the four, of the five people who were there, four of us all saw the same thing. The, the one guy who didn't see anything looked in the wrong direction. <laughs> That's how that goes. So we actually had Bob on, Bob Strain, on a few years ago. And I remember... Um, him, him telling, telling that story, story about, about you, um, like you got, you pointed one out, out look, it's, it's over there. there and, and then you just taking off. off. All they, all they see, see is the back, back of you as you as ran, you ran at, this. at this. Now, now 
this was this a few was years, years ago. ago. This, this was, was I don't remember. remember. I think we discussed I think we it was like seven years ago or yeah, maybe five. five. Uh, uh, anyway, anyway, I remember, I remember thinking, thinking at the time that I heard that, that. You, know you know what? I'm going to do, do that. If I ever have, have, have an experience, experience I'm going to do that. And I think a lot of people had that same idea. Like, I'm going to do that too. And then when it comes down to it, I I did not do that. That is not something that I did at all. Well, I think it was so overwhelmed with how awesome it was that I just wanted as much details as possible. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to know, you know, and maybe the shock would have been to go, oh, and then just stood there and let me run into him. You know, that's of course not what happened. But, you know, just can I get a little bit more information? Can I see your face a little more clear? Can I get a little more definition of yeah. that muscle? And, and I'm a scientist, and that's what what scientists do. We always want data, more data, more data. Yes. So, you know, and you're never going to catch one anyway, so there's no point in that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. <laughs> you're like a dog, like a dog chasing, chasing a car. car. What are you going to do, do with it when you catch it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, was hoping, I was hoping it would say, Kathy, you know, knock it off. We, we, we don't, we want to wrap this right now. No, I don't know what I expect. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Well, well, I, I, I always admired you for doing that, and, I was, I was, yeah, yeah I, 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 was I was half hoping, hoping that you had caught, caught one since I talked to you last, last but. So what can you tell me about, about the, the um, other, other signing? signing. Uh, the second one was then the next year, 2013. Uh, Bob and I were so enamored with RAFs that we decided to really dedicate ourselves to um, the, the cause, I guess, or the, the scientific study that was occurring. And so he went three weeks by himself without me. He had a partner, but um, went there for three weeks. And then I, when he came back, I went for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And so um, the second sighting then was that first week I was there. And it was really super hot and just no reprieve from um, any breeze blowing, anything. So we were sitting on the back porch. I was, I was up on the porch, everybody else was more in the shade, and there's a little creek that runs back there that at least if the wind does come, it gives you a little bit of cooler air, but not much. And we're sitting there talking, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. the person who I'm always looking around because that's what archaeologists do. We don't, you know, it's pretty unusual for us to sit and look at somebody in the face and have a long conversation because something could be happening over here. And I look up in the trees, just, you know, maybe 40 feet from me at the most, and I could see the branch bouncing. And I'm like, oh, there's got to be a squirrel, you know, something like that. But it was a good-sized branch. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. And then the next thing I see is this animal crawl out on the end of the branch and then leap from the branch over to another tree. And it was about the size of a, of a small dog, not a chihuahua, but a, like an Australian shepherd size, no tail, flat back. It was it looked like a chimpanzee, and in my mind, I said, "Hey, look at that! A chimpanzee is jumping from one tree to another tree." And then I went, "Kathy, for crying out loud!" And so I said, <laughs> "Oh, look!" I, because I'm trying to put it in my own frame, you know, I'm not right. expecting to see a baby Rippa, and so I go, "Oh, oh, oh, there it goes!" And so we ran over to because it, it was right there, and we could just see the trees moving as it as it ran off. And then later that same week, uh, another member of the group saw the same animal. Again, so so that's that one, and 
I didn't get enough. I mean, outside the fact that it looked like a chimpanzee with a beautiful flat back and no tail, you know, you didn't mm-hmm. get a whole lot of details. And then uh, the last sighting that I had was in 2014. And again, we were there and that same guy who didn't see the Bigfoot, we, we tease him a lot. We say he's seen more people see Bigfoot because he's always doing something else, you know, we got his back turned to the event. Yeah. And I, I was, it was early morning. <laughs> And I got, uh, I was the last one up to, you know, get dressed and come out onto the porch to start breakfast. And I'm standing there talking to him and I'm, he's on standing on the ground and I'm on the porch. And so I can see clearly above his head. And the next thing I know, this big, huge gray thing walks through, uh, it's on the other side, it's in front of one of the cabins, but in walking a pathway and it walks through the area and then like it turns and leaves Mm -hmm. and it was huge and gray and I go oh there they are and so they ran over there and they could find the pathway that it had taken down a log and across the creek and then over and so um, I stayed where I was because I wanted a perspective of how big are we talking and so I, I sent Bob back over there once they had come back and I told him you know see this location right there go stand in that location and Here's Bob, and here's the other thing above him. Bob mm-hmm. looked like a little tiny butterfly. Well, he, I mean, he didn't look like a butterfly, but he, in comparison, he was right. just a little tiny thing. Yeah. And he's six foot tall. So whatever it was, was way bigger than that. And he's a, we think it's the, the one we call old gray that several people have seen in that area before. And he's just extremely large. So. That's those are incredible encounters. Yeah. yeah, and then that doesn't, you know, there's tons of sounds, yells, rock throws, all kinds of other experiences. And if people want to read more about it, they can go to the woodape.com mm-hmm. website and read the Wachita Mountain Project that's on the website, which kind of details all the things we've had happen um, over a very, uh, it was probably 2011 to maybe 2016, maybe a combination of all that. Mm-hmm. Those are, I mean, thank you so much for sharing those. I, I, I noticed you didn't run at the, at the big gray one. Well, there, I was further away mm-hmm. and, uh, I kind of, I had the impression it was pretty big from based on what I was seeing. I basically saw it from the shoulder down to, uh, maybe it's thigh or knee area mm-hmm. so I got I was like oh that's a little bigger than I expected but I never would have made it that that way that that path towards there is really difficult to to maneuver right yeah. so I had a question from the chat before the chat even started <laughs> um Stephen yeah. would like to know and this goes with the topic um Kathy have you found any other areas as active as area x in Oklahoma um we no I'll just say it out loud like that we do have an area that we used to do our bigfooting in a lot here just outside of our our town up in the mountains but it uh, was badly damaged the vegetation during the rim fire uh, in 2013 and so it just hasn't recovered yet but there for a while it was one of the most reliable you're going to get screamed at place and and then for a little while there was an area that I was um, researching up in the Lake Tahoe area, but that died off um, once we lost access to the, the location. But no, Area X has got the most activity I've ever seen. Okay. I know that since then they have moved that area um, 
that Area X has been publicly announced, and now they're, um, that group is researching in a different area, correct? No, we're still in the same area. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't know it had been publicly announced. Um, from what I heard, I thought that um, they had de- like decided to tell everybody where Area X was because so many people were going to it, and they had moved it. Hmm. No, we're still... And we're not in the that exact compound. Okay, but it's very, be. very, very close. Okay, all right. Yeah, Good the, to know. the original landowner was kind of insistent on us vacating the premises. Not, well, or doing something different. Anyway, but so anyway, gotcha. it's just it's just literally down down the street. I guess is the best way to okay. put it. They don't have streets, but yeah. all right. Well. um... I can say that I've never been there and I don't, I've just heard a lot about that area from others who have gotten close to that area, not in area X, but just around that area. And it's a hot spot for sure. Still to this day. So definitely. And there's, there's other people that have stories that, you know, aren't, I mean, area X is like a, it's a mountain range, but the whole area in general has a lot of activity. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, well, it's, it's very remote, and they don't get researchers there um, outside of, of us, really. They don't have, a like, you know, homes all over the place. It's, it's a remote um, location, and so it's ideal for an animal that wants to stay hidden because, you know, there's plenty of vegetation, plenty of water, lots and lots of resources mm-hmm. um, to draw from, tons of, of animals, tons of, you know, I have yet to, I don't think I've, failed yet to see some bears every time I go and there's deer and there's just frogs there's all kinds Mm -hmm. of animals and resources there so that's awesome I know it's a thick like you said it's very thick um easy to hide there and you could um you could be out of sight within you know 10 20 yards yeah um, easily in the full swing of of summer when all the foliage is in oh yeah Mm -hmm. you can't see you have to be really careful because you have a very high chance of encountering a snake and and that's not much fun so no no not in the snakes bears snakes oh my no um Um, yes same here so what has been your scariest experience? Was it one of those, or is it something else that happened that you didn't have a sighting with? Um, I think it would be the one we didn't have have a sighting with. Um, okay. It was uh, the the first week of my second year there, so 2013, and we were sitting outside, and it was nighttime, so we had a nice um, fire going, and we're just chatting, and. Uh, we decided we were going to go to bed, and so we had got up and, and tried to go to bed, and I saw some eyes through a windshield and of, of an animal, and the second two of us saw it, and they were huge eyes, I mean, just, but it was reflecting from the firelight, and that thing had just been feet from us, I mean, feet, and we never knew it was there, so, you know, we, we walked that way, saw it, and it just dashed off as fast as you can think of I mean it was just gone and then we said stayed up for a little while longer and uh, then we said we're trying to go back to bed again so go back to bed most of us are in the cab and I didn't I had already taken my shoes off Mm -hmm. and the loudest thing I've ever heard in my entire life happened it was I thought a tree was coming down on the cabin Mm -hmm. 
And so, I mean, it was just just right there. I mean, it was so terrifying. And so we ran outside. And we couldn't see anything, but it was clear that something had just happened. And we found the tree the next day. But it was it was terrifying because it, it that I mean, we tried to go to bed like four or five times, and the second we all got up to try to go in, something happened. And so it was just exhausting but terrifying because it was the the one time I really thought that it would push push the cabin down, push something on the cabin, uh, do something. It just it was behaving erratic in mm-hmm. my sense that it was trying to egg us on or something right. to that effect and didn't want us inside. He wanted us outside even though it was extremely late. And so I I, I was very unhappy with that and when the the team that I was with was leaving, I felt this kind of like, don't leave me here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be in here anymore. Take me with you. Yeah. Um, but I did, and I stuck it out and had plenty of other terrifying things where something throwing a rock at my head, something throwing a rock at Bob's oh head. You know, that's just not, not pleasant. No, definitely not. Especially, yeah. you know, this is the same person that ran at the big feet. And... <laughs> I have, I have a bad habit of, of, and I hope my mom's not listening, but I have a bad <laughs> habit of just cussing them out, or it's like, when they throw a rock at me, I just pick up the rock and throw it back and say, you know, take that, you know, kind yeah. of like, like, he understands what I'm saying, I don't know. I think in a nonverbal gesture, you throwing the rock back says plenty, yeah. says plenty. That's awesome, though. I mean, I, it beats getting in the car and leaving, I'm yeah, I well, yeah. I I did not like seeing. I'm glad I didn't see the full face because that's one of my worst nightmares is waking up and there'd be a face right there yes. in the window looking at you. And yes. I'm like, ah, I don't want to do that. I just don't no. have any interest in that. But it got close to being my nightmare moment, but it moved off before I could get much else besides eyes looking at me. So right. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what is the best evidence you've heard or seen or gathered to date? Well, um, gosh, that's a lot. Um, I consider uh, footprint footprint evidence pretty good. Um, Mm -hmm. We've collected hair, but it hasn't turned out to be anything. Um, We have, uh, well, we do have a lot of vocalizations um, captured on audio that you can listen to. And one of them, one of them includes some, um, one of the things I have heard there is a, that samurai kind of sound that you hear people say. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was sound asleep, exhausted. Um, I think either some rocks were hitting the cabin or something happened where I woke up. It was very early morning, like 6.30 or something like that. And mm-hmm. I heard right outside the bedroom window say, Wawuga! Oh and my then, God. stomp, stomp, stomp off. And it was <sighs> just like, it was obviously mad. And, yeah. um, and I was like, I listened, you know, try to, is there anything else coming on? And so some of that gibberish has been captured mm-hmm. down there that we have on um, audio that you can listen to on the website. Mm-hmm. And one thing I find fascinating about that is that you hear about that, you know, of course, in California, the Sierra sounds. Mm-hmm. And then here we are, you know, 2,000 miles away in Oklahoma, and, and it's very, very similar and it, when you hear it, and I know people listen to that Sierra sounds and they go, oh, a human could do that or whatever. But when you hear it in person, the the depth of that sound, uh, I mean, for all I know, he could have been, you know, 120, 
20 yards away mm-hmm. from the window, but it was like it was in the room. I mean, it was so deep and guttural. And, and it's that's if that's a human, first of all, I just like to mention too, we're always well armed down there because right. that's, you know, part of our mission. And so to try to fake something and practice it so long that you can actually get down into your, Diaphragm. your guts mm-hmm. yeah, and pull that out just to what? Hoax a, a little anthropologist right. from California. I mean, what's yeah. the chances of that? And so, right. um, that I think was that those audio recordings I think are are going to be significant once once the the proof is found and they start comparing what are characteristics of a Bigfoot that are found throughout the United States. What can mm-hmm. we what can we say up front? We believe this is what they're doing, and then go into a scientific hopefully federally um, funded actual study that to get that confirmed. I think that helps a lot with blending California at least or the West Coast with things that are probably happening in the South. No, absolutely. Um, that would be very interesting to get that data, to get that yeah. information back. Um, back to your encounters. I'm sorry, but we got some questions from the chat and I'd rather yeah, jump back sorry. now. Um, Jamie King asks, <laughs> and I love Jamie, um, I'm curious what the Cherokee in that area have to say about your encounter. Um, I, I haven't, well, I did talk to a Cherokee person later. Um, I think that air is more Choctaw, I think, but I'm not particularly certain. Um, I haven't really talked to um, the, those tribes there about that particular sighting, but they do in their, their traditional stories have plenty to say about Bigfoot and what their behavior is. Um, in those locations. So they traditionally, Choctaw, um, I'm going to mess it all up, but Cherokee, there's lots of tribes in there. They they all have traditional stories about Bigfoot being in the area. So, you know, the, the usual, don't go outside if you hear whistling and, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't be lured into being a marriage partner. <laughs> baby eaters. That's yeah, the big Cherokee eaters. one. They're baby eaters. Yeah. Um, so... Tactical Bigfoot Research had a great question. Does your educational background help with your research in Area X? Yes, I do believe it does because it's, in my mind, I'm I'm looking for characteristics, um, A, to tell me, you know, is this a primate? Is this typical mm-hmm. primate behavior? And I'm also, as an archaeologist, looking for anything that, would give me any indication that they use tools or they use fire or they use any of those types of, of things. And so I think it does give me a slight advantage. It doesn't necessarily, you know, help anybody else necessarily. I mean, because that's my kind of internal what I'm, every time right. I see evidence, I, I look at it and go, is that really evidence or is that not evidence? Is that something another animal could do or is that something that I think well, that, that certainly is something that's in, indicative of what a Bigfoot can, can mm-hmm. do. Right. Um, filmer of Bobcats wants to know, um, what would it take to be able to join this research team? Oh, you just go online and you fill out an application and then uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. And, and we have members from all over the United States, and so uh, we don't restrict that to just being local, you know, mm-hmm. if you're interested and you're in Texas, if you're interested and you're in Washington and being a bill vet you. So it's not just, we take everybody, we yeah. take people that have certain skills and we have a lot of, um, we, well, 
We have several anthropologists, biologists, uh, filmmakers. We have uh, game wardens. We have uh, retired or, or um, ex-military. We have a police people. I mean, we have a walks of all over. You just really need to be prepared for, for what's out there because it's not a walk in the park location. Right. It's, you have to have a very good vehicle and you better know what you're doing in the field because if something happens, you're a long way from getting medical care. So we, and we do have doctors too. Okay. So all kinds of people. Okay. So yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, I think I had a question about that. Um, so you are on the board of directors of the nonprofit Alliance of Independent Bigfoot Researchers. Yes. Can you tell me about that? Because that was interesting to me. Yeah, we, we're about um, educating the public, you know, um, providing our, unfortunately, our website's down right this minute. <laughs> I tried to plug it. It didn't work. <laughs> I know. I know. It always happens at the wrong time. But um, to provide education to the public on how to, you don't have to be um, a, a college graduate to do Bigfoot, but here are some skills or some things that we recommend that you do so that everything you do is scientific. So mm-hmm. if you find a footprint, take a photo, but put a scale next to it. It can be anything. Right. It can be a pen. It can be a, a ruler. It can be something that we will know what the scale is. Mm-hmm. So we can tell you, no, that's you're within the human range or, oh, that's incredible or something to that effect mm-hmm. or how to how to document, like if you collect blood and hair, the worst thing you can do is to put it in a plastic bag because that will uh, erode the DNA faster than anything you can okay. do. You need to use a paper envelope. And so it's just, it's that's what it's based on. It's not a group that goes out and Bigfoots together, although most of those people we know and we've been Bigfooting with them, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a way to try to provide education to the public uh, or Bigfoot enthusiasts so that mm-hmm. when they do collect data or find evidence that it can be preserved in the best way possible. Okay. And it, it's, it's actually, you know, especially for those that don't, I think I'm probably rare in that, but I don't really want to be part of a group. Um, I enjoy being an independent contractor, you know, going out and doing my own thing, um, floating from, you know, I go out with groups, but I don't want to be a part of it. I like to do my own independent research. And I think that, um, for someone like me, that group would, that would be a draw as well, because you can still share your findings and have a good sounding board to share your findings with and learn the ways to do it correctly. Um, but you're not necessarily, you know, have to abide by this, by this group. No, there's, there's no, it's just a, a way of, of people to say, Hey, if you want more education, here's where you can go to get that, that data. And, and so it's not a, you've, do it our way or no way. I mean, it's not like that. Right. But in the NAWC isn't like that either. I mean, basically, it's we we require certain things like gun safety and, mm-hmm. and we don't allow anybody to drink while they're in area X. Um, yes. We don't want any accidents. But you know, they're not. You will pledge allegiance to this group and yeah, never do anything else. Then it's not like that. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. I'm probably skipping a few questions and I'm not trying to everybody. Um, but I just want to hit on the main topics and then I will wrap up any questions. Um, I wanted to ask, have you learned anything Bigfoot related from your job? From your, yes. Okay. Actually it happens quite a bit. So if, um, somebody has an experience, um, out in the forest, they usually either come into an office and go, 
ah, I saw this thing, you know, so it's mm-hmm. really common, actually. And <laughs> or they'll send an um, uh, 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 email to the main address, and they forward it to me, and, and I always follow up. And and I think what I've learned is there's been a lot of Forest Service employees that have had their own encounters. And, you know, I'm really open, and, you know, I wear Bigfoot T-shirts everywhere mm-hmm. I go. It doesn't bother me at all. And so um, those people over the years have come to me and told me, you know, oh, my dear, this is what happened. What do you think? And mm-hmm. I go, well, I, I think that's what happened. They're like, really? Well, why do you think that? And I try to educate them and stuff. And a lot of our biologists around the, uh, around the forest have been real keen about paying attention to that data. Um, but I also find that um, my job taught me uh, how to talk to tribes in mm-hmm. a respectful manner and so that they will feel comfortable in telling me information that they probably would never tell anybody else. And okay. so um, I think that's been the, the biggest um, benefit of, of being a, a Forest Service employee and having part of my job be in, in working with tribes and then how to how to talk to people in a way to be respectful and get data from them that that's very important to capture and, and get passed on that it's not lost when you know our lo- during COVID unfortunately we've lost a lot of elders and mm-hmm. you know it's if maybe they had passed on some of those stories to me years ago that right. they might not be saved so right. I think that's the biggest benefit. Well it sounds like you've built a lot of trust within them and that seems like it goes a long way. So I'm glad that they have somewhere to turn whenever they have that life-changing encounter, you know, or they're just not sure what they saw or whatever, you know. Yeah, and it's happened actually several times where a tribal member had an experience and they came to me with like, "Eh, what do I do with this? And one person had a recording and I'm kind of like, oh, you know, I'll help you however I can help you, you know, and send it in to whoever I know that can do a better analysis. So I'm not an expert in everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know every animal out in the woods. I don't know all of it, but... But I'll, I'll get you the help if you need it. So That's awesome. I mean, I think it's great that they have someone to turn to and someone who's knowledgeable and not out to exploit them. You know, someone yeah. who has their best interest at heart. Yeah, it doesn't laugh at them. You know, right, that's, absolutely. I find the biggest yeah. benefit is that I treat people respectfully. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, out there today, if you say anything about Bigfoot, they just go, you know, they give that smirk yes. and you're just like, I know you're making fun of me, but you better not say it. So yeah, he's got the guts to do it. But, but, you know, that's, I think what one thing that everybody, every witness or person who's had experience just want to be heard and they just want to be respected. They don't want mm-hmm. you laughing at them. It doesn't get you very far. It really doesn't. Um, I mean, if somebody is brave enough to share something with you, even if you don't believe in it, you know, I have a lot of people share things with me that, you know, fairies and dragons and all kinds of stuff that I, I'm personally not really into, but, you know, I've trained myself to say, okay, tell me why you believe in that. Tell me, you know, your thoughts on it. Tell me the evidence to back it up. You know, just as I would hope somebody would do when I talk about Bigfoot. Yeah. It's the same. If you don't feel like being questioned, then maybe you're not sure yourself. Right. really happened. Right. So, if you wouldn't mind telling me about your book, Giants, Cannibals, and Monsters, Bigfoot in Native Culture. Mm-hmm. I, a... I, I love that, that topic. I love um, that topic in Native American culture. I think it's fascinating. It definitely has historical credence to back up this whole topic. Um, 
So what led you to write that book? Well, that's kind of a um, long story. But <laughs> when uh, I was the district archaeologist for uh, the Sequoia National Forest um, many, many, many years ago, and we were working on a project, and I needed to go over to the, the Truly River Indian Reservation to talk to them about how we were going to do an excavation because it was in the middle of the village and I figured it was going to have human remains and I wanted to be prepared before we started excavating of what did they want us to do when we encountered this. And it just turned into where I frequently went out there at night with um, potlucks and talked to the, the elders and they had a thing for my young, uh, my older son is a flaming redhead. Mm-hmm. And they just loved him. And so I, I actually became a requirement that I had to bring him with me or else don't bother coming. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. They didn't care what I brought to eat. They just said, bring the baby. And um, uh, it, I don't remember now how exactly it happened, but I got to talking about the hairy man pictographs that are on the reservation, which I had seen several times before but didn't know really anything about them. And they really had never met. Um, someone who talked about Bigfoot before like I did and they mm-hmm. were you know very much trusting in me because we had already been through this this consultation of how are we going to do this project kind of thing and they just started telling me their stories you know the traditional stories and I was all like overwhelmed that there was I, I it was I don't know how to put it there's a lot of times as a, as before pre-computers before the internet where you felt very alone as mm-hmm that if you believed in Bigfoot, you didn't really know there was a ton of other people who shared that same belief system with you. And so this was kind of so shocking to me that this tribe was going, oh, yeah, of course we believe in Bigfoot. Here you go. Here's the information. Oh you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I'm like, going, oh, can I write this down? You know, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah it's great. And so that became a, a shining pride for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, in fact, I gave a paper on those pictographs. The first time I talked in public um, was in 2003 at the International Bigfoot Symposium in Willow Creek, where I met uh, met my husband and then met a ton of people who are still very important in my life. It was a, a very monumental event. Mm-hmm. Well, I then started gathering stories just in general when I'd find them, you know, oh, yeah, okay, here it is. And I haven't really given it much thought until I was invited to give a talk down at the University of San Antonio. Um, is that University of Texas, San Antonio? I don't remember. Or is it, it's in San Antonio and it's a university. <laughs> it's university of Texas. San and I can't even tell you. <laughs> yeah. You'd think I'd remember that. Um, by the, uh, back then they were the TBRC, but they're now the NAWAC. And okay. uh, at that time, Craig Woolheater was the chair of that. And he said, Kathy, can you come down and talk? And I want you to give a talk on the same thing that you've done in California, but I want it for the Southern region. I want you to gather, tell stories from Oklahoma, Texas, that whatever. And I said, and I was like, oh man, that, that, why don't you just ask me to juggle or something? She said, yeah. <laughs> to do that. And so I, I, you know, and you could always come at this at a certain kind of Bigfoot only occurs in the Pacific Northwest. There is no Bigfoot mm-hmm. anywhere. There's just that one, that one that, that Patterson Gimlin got on the phone. Yeah. And so I started looking into it, and I went, wow, look at this. There's just tons of information here. And so I gathered it all up, and then I said, well, you know, what else have I been ignoring? And so I started looking into 
the Seminoles in Florida. I started looking in um, the Northeast up in New York and I started doing this and all of a sudden I had a book full of information and it's just traditional stories. So it's just mm -hmm. their, their information from, you know, pre, like most of them are pre 1950s. And I have the, the citation where the story came from. And then, um, I paired it up. I don't know if anybody wants to see it because I just happen to have it here. Just in case somebody asks oh, me course. a hard question. <laughs> there's the book. Yes. And it's really, really quite beautiful. It's broken up into, it's got beautiful pictures, but I have the, the in anthropology, we use um, cultural areas is how mm -hmm. we define. So California is its own cultural area. And so they're broken up by that. And then what's really neat is in the back, there's an appendix that has all the traditional names that I've gathered, okay. uh, what it means, what tribe uh, is that name associated with. And so it's a handy little, That's awesome. what did this tribe call that? You know, so if you want to know yeah. what the Miwok call uh, Bigfoot, you just look up the Miwok and then you look up the, the word and then mm -hmm. you know it means, it's Yayali is their traditional name and it means hairy man. That's fantastic. I mean, yeah. that's I think that's wonderful, and that's really in-depth, and I mean, obviously, you, you researched the book very well before you wrote it, but um, or as you were writing it, but I think that's just phenomenal. So you can buy that book on Amazon, correct? Yes, you can, or you can go to my publisher's Hancock House, Okay. and, and they have it there. That's the direct route. So. Okay. Oh, I but think I, that would I be... I understand it's, it's nearly out of print. Oh, really? So, yeah, we've been talking about what we're gonna, how we're going to handle that, so my publisher we're going to, what we're going to do. So, so you guys have to go buy it now. This is your it last chance. Yeah. This is your in last chance. Anyway. And that would be a great piece to add to any Bigfoot researchers collection, especially if you're serious about the history of these things, about knowing in your area. So I know for me, um, you know, I'm in Tulsa, but I research a lot in southeastern Oklahoma where the Choctaw and Cherokee are prevalent. So that's something that really interests me is the Native American history with Bigfoot. So, yeah. And, and what do what tribes happen to say about that? that what, what normally occurs in that area? Because it would mm -hmm. probably be nice if you knew you were going into an area where the Bigfoot's known as, you know, the, the, the being that eats people or something like that. You know, it's like th those names have a reason like here in this area we have basically have yaya leaf friendly whatever and there's another name for i and i can't pronounce it very well but it's basically that jerk for the flips over in that other valley that's oh the translation gosh. and so i was kind of like i don't think they'd like that very much no i don't think so. it sounds like my neighbor though honestly so <laughs> um i mean we all have that one neighbor yeah. um i did have another question about the book real quick i have an author that's on my moderator team and also in the chat. And she would like to know, how did you go about deciding on that title for your book and some of the legends that you included within the book? Um, I am, I'm a notorious, uh, I like colons a lot. So okay. I, I like having titles and the colon and then what yeah. the book's really about. Um, and it was just, that's what the book is about is that it is essentially the, the topics of what you're going to find utter monsters mm -hmm. that were terrible. You're going to find the cannibals. And then there's giant stories, you know, where there's this large hairy type thing and it's innocuous in the sense that it's, um, just, Oh yeah, that, that hairy giant thing lives over there. So it's just kind of what the themes were that I was finding once I was reading, um, everybody's, um, traditional stories, what they're, what it seemed to be consistent with is that there's, that's the groupings of those kinds of stories out there. Okay. All right. Um, Patrick Vaughn. Hi, Patrick. 
he, I'm a huge fan of Patrick. He, his research is the way he researches is a no nonsense type of research. And, um, he's one of my favorite people to, to watch, um, how he does his research and, and hear his post and see his post. He's very scientific, no nonsense. I very much enjoy it. Um, anyway, he asked, do you go out in, in the dark nights, making yourself approachable doing communications? Um, no. Okay. I would say, you mean like walk out into the forest and talk to them? Um, or maybe do calls? I'm not sure. Oh, we do. We do calls and we do wood knocks, that okay. type of thing in okay. the dark. But I don't, I don't go out and go, hey, Bigfoot, I'm here. That's, mm-hmm. that, I, I... Okay. <laughs> um, that was another follow-up question I had actually is that once you learned which tribe belonged to, which tribe called the Bigfoot what in that region did you ever go out and say, you know, hey, whatever the name was, because I can't remember what you just I, said. Yeah, I did once because I had a one of my dearest elders who uh, taught me a lot about Bigfoot and gave me a lot of data. Uh, when she, before she passed away, she had asked me to go to a certain location and leave leave something in her honor for the Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't make me cry. She was such a nice lady. Um, so I, I finally did that. I said, you know, I've, she's been passed away a couple years now, and it's wrong that I haven't done what she asked mm-hmm. me to do. And that's the only time I ever did that. I went to exactly where she told me to go. Very important area. It was just terrifying getting there, too. I mean, I don't like edges, and it just had cliffs everywhere. Yes. And... Um, and she probably knew that too. I bet she did that to me on purpose. But um, and I gathered. I made a little satchel of what she told me to give as a gift. And I went into the forest and I talked to him with his traditional name. And I said, "This, you know, she's leaving this for you." And I just want to let you know. And I stood there for a little while because I really, really hoped mm-hmm. that you know I would get some kind of answer. But I didn't. And we left and we went home and. Um, that's the only time I did it in the sense just because she asked me to, but mm-hmm. typically I don't, I don't go, Hey, yeah, yeah. Well, that's not true. I do sometimes goofing off here in the forest. I'll right. Go, hey, yeah, Lee, I'm walking through. You're welcome to show yourself kind of thing, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not serious about it. I'm more of just being whimsical and, and yeah. trying to scare whoever's with me too. Cause I enjoy that. <laughs> I can understand that completely. I would totally yeah, they do that. Go, they just go, I swear, Kathy, if something comes out, we're going to get you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, no, I'll you'll see. be so thankful or terrified <laughs> that you will forget. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so a uh, follow-up question from Tactical Bigfoot Research. He wanted to know, have you actually found any flakes or stone tools at your research locations? Y- yes, I have found flakes, but we are well aware that uh, the landowner had told us he had found uh, projector points or arrowheads in that location okay. before so it didn't surprise me it was just a couple of pieces of obsidian so okay. an obsidian's not native to uh, that region of Oklahoma so we know it had to be brought in traded with humans and so yeah it's native it was Native American cosplays so I'm pretty familiar with that but other than that not well we did find these things that we're talking about where they're flat stones and you can look at them that where the, it looks like something's pounding something mm-hmm. on top of it like breaking up bones mm-hmm. or something and I do feel like those are Bigfoot related so okay. using we don't know if it's nuts or there's plenty of nuts everywhere but mm-hmm. we do 
but have found those in several locations now where it's, we call them nutcracking stations, but right. um, it, yeah, but it's clearly something was doing something and the nut shells are still there. So and that's, that's not us doing it. So, yeah. you know, I mean, saying, but that's, you know, but it's not a modified tool in what we would consider like a modified tool. They picked right. up a rock, used it and left it. It didn't have any value to them, but they'll right. find another rock next time. So. Yeah. The, I mean, there are plenty of other animals that do that same thing. You yeah. know, but um, not that size of stone, probably. Yeah, and there's we have some information about that in that uh, Wachita. I, I like saying Paluchita. Yes, that's how the locals say it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I do that. I butcher things on purpose just because that's yeah. how it sounds in my head. Um, so uh, Shay Shay wants to know: Does your team, and I, I'm sure she's referring to NAWAC, um, does your team work with a primatologist? Is there a primatologist on your team? Yes, we. Ha- um, I don't know if he's currently in the group, but we have worked with one before, okay. and he's been there. So, uh, um, well, he's a mam- mammalogist, or he's an expert in all animals. Okay. So I yeah. don't know what you call that, but yeah, he's he's been there before several times actually. Okay. Um, ooh, filmer of bobcats has two great questions. First question: Does the population at Area X understand human speech? Do you think? It's hard no, to tell, but, I, but... Yeah, it's hard to tell, but I do know that um, they do like telling each other when a new car comes in, because um, one time I was there, um, and they do it frequently, but one in particular, uh, we were waiting for a team member to come back, and about five minutes before we could hear the engine, there was a smack, uh, a wood knock, so mm-hmm. close to us, I, I can't believe we couldn't see anything. I mean, I don't right. know exactly where it came from, but it was like right there. And here, next few minutes, there's an engine coming. And so, and that happens frequently. So we always figured they're letting everybody know something's coming in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one thing I also know is that they try to keep track of you, but they can't count. So if you do a maneuver where there's a group of you and mm-hmm. then one draws back, they, they don't realize that. So they can't count. Uh, not that high anyway, if they, yeah. if they know. There's a group and they can't notice that there's five, you know, instead of six. I think my my theory on that always is has been that there's a sentinel. As soon as you walk in the woods, mm-hmm. there's one or two watching you. Um, usually just one because you always, my experience is every time I walk in the woods, you hear a tree knock. And then when you exit the woods, you hear a tree knock. And so they're letting you know or letting their brethren know that, you know, there's humans yeah. here. Um, and so, of course, you know, if there's just one, they can't keep eyes on all of you. No. They can't, and it and it's we've been pretty successful using that method um, in the field where we, they just can't keep track with that many people, kind of thing. And and I I am always a firm believer that if there's one, there's more than one because mm-hmm. they they tend to look out for each other. And if you feel like one time we had, what well, we had one basically, um, um, we were coming down on them essentially. Mm-hmm. We, we had them captured, you know isolated and next thing you know and I don't, we don't still don't know how it happened but next thing we know we had four of them coming down on us and basically we're gonna we're going to keep this one safe and it's not uncommon where we have something happening over here and yes. then something will happen behind us to lure us away so yes that's um, it's yes. pretty common that's something that so. i i tout a lot is that they are masters of distraction yeah i can't tell you how many times i've had something on flare and a rock get thrown over here or directly in front of me, and I look back and it's gone. Every time. Every day, yeah. They're very, very good at that. And how they yes. know one of their brothers are uh, in danger or 
being seen? I don't know. I don't know how that is. I don't know if they emit something that, like a smell or something that the others can sense. I or don't know. They but. just have, you know, excellent night vision and they can, you know, see yes. that one's pinned down and so this one just causes a distraction and now that one's yeah. gone. You know, I'm sure they train their, just like any animal really, you know, especially, you know, primates and, um, they train their young to be alert to signals, certain signals, mm-hmm. you know, to get out of danger. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Filmer of Bobcats has, and this is a great question, cannibals. Do they eat other Sasquatches? Oh, no, I don't have any stories. I've never heard a story where a, a Bigfoot ate another Bigfoot. It's Bigfoot eating us. Okay. And it, and it can, typically children, but it, it can also be women. So. Baby eaters. Yep. Baby eaters. Um, have you found? Have you found that um, the stories of them eating us? Have you found that a lot over? Uh, a lot. I a mean, lot. like over a vast area of the yes. United States, and and yes, okay. It, it is the most common story there is. Have you aligned that? I'm probably jumping off on on a weird road here, but have you aligned? the stories you've heard on that from Native Americans and everything with the missing 411. No, I have not. Okay. No, I have not. Okay. So, but it's, I just haven't. You know, most of the time, I mean, as a realistic Forest Service employee, most people, and I don't mean it sound like this, but they don't know what they're doing in the field. Absolutely. I mean, literally, and my husband can back this up, I was in the wilderness one time with him. He was escorting me because I didn't want to go by myself and I didn't have mm-hmm. um, anybody else available. And we're doing some research uh, in the wilderness. And next thing I know, I look up and here comes two young girls in bikinis with beach balls wearing flip-flops with no water, no oh map, no nothing. And I said, oh, well, well, where are you guys going? And they go, well, we're going to go to this, this uh, lake. And I was like... You know, that's another mile and a half at least to get to. And, you know, I mean, it was just, but I've seen that. I've had more experiences with people just being totally unaware of their surroundings Mm -hmm. and, you know, people keeping ham sandwiches in their tents and then don't understand why a bear breaks through. And it's just like, so, and we find that commonly. So it's not, it isn't surprising to me that we have missing people. Can some of those be because a Bigfoot is responsible? I'm sure. You know, there's no reason not to think that that's a logical hypothesis, but it's not everybody. Right. Stupidity plays a huge, <laughs> a huge factor. Yes. I agree, definitely. There are weird, you know, because some I've, I've seen the movies and the shows and all of that, and there are some weird situations in there that, you know, they explained why it, why these very um, experienced hikers, you know, got themselves into some weird situations that they, that a normal experienced hiker would not. Um, so it's an interesting theory. Um, Filmer Bobcats had another question. Um, and I'm not sure if you subscribe to these theories or if you stick with Bigfoot and only Bigfoot, but do you think it's actually Bigfoot's eating humans or something else such as Dogman, Wendigo, et cetera? Well, I, I'm not, uh, I don't study those other things, but in a lot of ways, I think that they're actually really just Bigfoots. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't believe that a dogman is really a dogman. I think it's just a, a different description of a Bigfoot. Word. So humans, is one thing as an anthropologist, um, you, you can only explain something 
to somebody based on your own experiences. So right. if I don't have a word for blue, then mm -hmm. I can only tell you what I'm, you know, right. like that sky, you know, kind of thing. And you mm -hmm. mean sky people? And they're like, they're trying to convey something else to you. And if you don't, if you don't know what a Bigfoot is, or you didn't grow up with it, you see this hairy thing, you know, outside, sometimes they have snails, sometimes they don't always, but right. um, I think they're just, well, it was like a dog. It was like this, you know, because yeah. that's the only word they have to use to describe it. And, oh, you know, a windigo, something with red glowing eyes and mm -hmm. big teeth, you know, it's, so, I mean, I don't think that the United States of America has 12 different cryptids running around. I, mm -hmm. I really think the long run, it's really mostly Bigfoot. Right. And so it's just a, it's just a, but I haven't, I don't study, if somebody tells me dogman, I just go the other direction and I don't right. really pay attention to it. No, I can understand that. I, I steer away out of fear because werewolves are a huge trigger for me and I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with sharing my woods with that. I'm not. That's no, my, that's my happy I place. Going outside. <laughs> yeah. Like, nope. Um, Kevin Morrison said, hi, Kathy. Good to see you. Hey, and Kevin. he said, have you ever found nest or bedding um, areas in area X? Uh, not in X that I'm aware of. The okay. only nest nest that I've seen, it was here, um, in Sonora, California. And it was definitely an S. There's there's little doubt that that's what that was. Okay. And so um, so I we haven't seen anything similar to that yet. And um, the the area that I think I think one thing I can say about where we're at is I think it's a pass through. It's mm -hmm. it's almost not consistent, but it's you know going one place and then coming back in the afternoon like there's something they got to pass through that location to go get and we just haven't been able to figure out what it is that they're needing that's someplace else you know we mm -hmm. kind of thought about salt we kind of thought about water and there's all kinds of things but we haven't figured that out yet so it's okay. not this would not be an area where they would we would find them sleeping okay that makes sense um so You've been researching for a long time, many years. We won't say how many years if you're not comfortable with that, but many years. Long time. Long time. How has your view of, of this topic of Bigfoot changed from when you began to now? And what significant developments or discoveries changed your mind about these things? I think mostly uh, is my having experienced it myself. So like... Um, Sierra sounds. I mean, although it's creepy, I, I don't know that I was ever a true believer in it, in the sense that it's, uh, and that, of course, comes from my national forest. That's where mm -hmm. those were recorded. So it's an honor. I, <laughs> I do enjoy scaring people with that, too. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I wouldn't have said I was a, a large believer in the samurai talk mm -hmm. prior to this. And I could definitely say I was not a supporter of witnesses who would tell me that the Bigfoot was chasing their car and was keeping up with them mm -hmm. at 60 miles per hour. I, I, I would often just roll my eyes and go, sure, they do. And I definitely 100% believe both of those things now. And so, um, but I think it took um, me to have that experience for it to go, oh, that's, that's actually a true thing, you know, yeah. and, and it's a fact. So, um, rock throws I always believed in, um, tree knots, that was never anything that I had an issue with because other primates do the same thing. It was those things they were attributing uh, to Bigfoot that were not typical. Or superhuman you know. almost. Yeah, superhuman mm -hmm. or not typical of other primates that I think I had had issue with. 
Okay. All right. So, um, hold on. We had another question. Um, whenever you, okay. Is your research book on Facebook? NAWAC is on Facebook. Yes. As well as the allowing the Alliance of Independent Bigfoot Researchers. That one's just, is that on Facebook as well? Yes, it is. Okay. All right. Um, so Lori wants to know how long do you typically stay out in the field whenever you go? Do you, um, and do you ever, my question, um, being a woman, do you ever go alone? Yeah, I'm not afraid of going alone. Okay. It, it's what I did typically long before, you know, I met Bob. I was a, a team of one and I argued with myself, which is really unfortunate. But, um, <laughs> uh, I've been in the field looking for Bigfoot next for more, it was three weeks at one time. Um, but typically from if we're here locally, that's usually, you know, a couple of nights. Bob's been an entire summer one year out there uh, mm -hmm. where he'd only come home once in a while. You know, he was out there all summer. I love that. Um, but yeah, but typically when we go to exits, it's between one and three weeks. But mm -hmm. that's because it's such a long drive there, we might as well settle in and, right. and stay. So, because it's, you know, it's a long drive, but um, that's, that's pretty typical. Okay. That's amazing. Um, so a, a question, so I would like to go ahead and jump in because we're, you know, about a little over an hour in, um, if you could just tell us about your newest project that is airing tomorrow. No, airing Tuesday. I Tuesday. Yeah, I thought tomorrow was the fifth. I've totally lost time of, of I thought it was the fifth tomorrow too. Okay. I'm sorry. Airing yeah, Tuesday, the fifth. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yes, it's called The Proof is Out There, and it's um, on the History Channel. It's 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it is um, a brand-new series, and they've already been uh, green-lighted for second second season. Oh, awesome. And, yeah, and so it's right after the, the Curse of Oak Island, and so um, I guess that's an extremely popular program there, but uh, essentially it's a – we as um, – and we had to film this during COVID, so you can imagine how entertaining that was. But it, it worked quite well. <laughs> yeah. But so people like Cliff Berrickman um, and other people, Chrissy Elliott and Ken Gerhard. Uh, yeah, Gerhard. Uh, what we were doing is basically looking at some video evidence of what the person who took the video thinks it is, or what they think they're portraying, and and then our expertise using my anthropology, using my, my skill set of saying, well, this is what I think we're seeing, or saying, you know, I, I don't agree, I think this is what it is, or, oh, yeah, I think that is what it is, and just making, using science to um, evaluate what those, those videos or photographs or whatever they have uh, potentially show. And so it's a half-an-hour show, but they put two back-to-back, -back, so it's an hour starting um, on Tuesday, and I think the first show is about Orang Pendant, so I know I'm, I'm on that. Awesome. And, so, and some of these videos are quite amazing, mm -hmm. and some are a little on the terrifying side, where you're going, oh, Ooh, good. <laughs> I don't think I like that very much. And, yeah. Um, and then some, some I was, you know, I was not as valuable in my sense of what, you know, mm -hmm. that doesn't get to prove anything, and it's not helping anything, versus mm -hmm. there was at least uh, one um, that I think is probably one of the most significant videos ever taken in the last really 
50 years easily. And That's so wonderful. it's, um, it's pretty important. And so I, you know, so we'll see what happens for the next season, but it was, it was, it was pretty entertaining serving, um, because the producer was on another screen and there was only one other person in the room. And that's unlike, because most of the shows that I do, there's, you know, a group of people. Yes. There's one person that handles the lighting and one person that handles this. And this one guy did it all. And oh so it my goodness. Pretty, pretty spectacular. And, um, but it was, it was, it was fun in the sense. And, and they weren't really supposed to tell me who else was on the show, but he several times said, Oh, Cliff, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Cliff Barrington. And they go, yeah. And I said, hi, I know him. So, yeah. so I don't know if it was meant to be a secret or not, but anyway, they, they spilled the beans on a couple of people <laughs> who were on the show. So, well, I'm excited to watch it. Um, I know that, uh, weird realities just plugged the link in the chat room. Um, I am really excited to see this show. I think it's I think it's gonna be good. It's gonna be up there with Legend Meets Science. I mean it's gonna be We'll see. We'll see. I know there's a lot of topics, UFOs, they did Dogman, mm-hmm. um, they did um Bigfoot of course, they did um all kinds of different topics of uh, 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 serpents, you know, water serpents, mm-hmm. um, UFOs, I said that. Um what else? Some of them I, I chose not to participate in because I just don't doesn't do any good mm. to ask me do you think this is this and I go no you know, yeah else to say, you know? that's you know, the like whole I, bit no yeah, no <laughs> I you have know, nothing I, I, I don't participate in those isn't it was one I think all of us universally said really really oh this, yeah I be on this show and they did drop that one because it was just obvious what it was right yeah so um oh, anyway, I had a, I had a good time yeah I wonder if that was the rake if you guys were like and you don't have to tell me but just oh. So many times I have had people ask me to have a show about the rake and I get overwhelming feedback from everyone else saying that's a hoax, that's an internet hoax, that's not real. And I'm just like, it, it, it okay. was the rake. It was it really? <laughs> it, it, yes, it was. And I kept going, what the hell is a rake? I, that's I'm what I said. It up and I'm like, I didn't. This is a made-up word. I don't think this really exists. I'm like, how did you guys come up with a word for that? Yeah. Monstrosity that, that is that. <laughs> clearly not a thing. So, okay. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, it was, well, that was, was right. it. <laughs> Okay. I, I, wasn't, I didn't participate well with that one. So. I wouldn't have either. Um, I have a really bad habit of my face showing exactly what I think about things. And so I have, um, which on a video interview is kind of a downfall sometimes, <laughs> but... Um, so far, I've had amazing guests on that my face clearly shows that I love you guys. Y'all are amazing. Oh, great. <laughs> um, do you have any other projects planned? Any um, other books? Uh, I'm always planning a book, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I get any time to do it. But um, probably not. I mean, I, I never know anything until, you know, I, I had to turn down several shows this, this past year just because of the COVID, and I was mm-hmm. not interested in, you know, flying into the the center of where all the contamination was and, yeah and, um, putting you know, yourself at risk yeah <laughs> it's not worth the risk and you know because I've got you know my my children and my grandchildren and I'm just not interested in in my mom and dad and everything else and maybe the the source of their their downfall and so um so nothing uh, this is the only one I actually went went through I turned down the other ones and so um as far as I know that'll be unless something else comes down the pike, you know, season two potentially, but Mm -hmm. um, not right now, not particularly right now. Okay. All right. I mean, uh, hey, after 2020, it's like, I feel like take things slow. You can pick and choose what you want to do, you know. 
Yeah. yeah, and I turned down conferences. And I, I always kind of was, like, weirded out by that. I was like, why would you be having a conference in the middle of COVID? Because, you know, you have to have reduced people. Right. You know, you can't have as many. And so does it really work that well when you only have, you know, 50 people in the audience? Do you, right. I mean, how do you afford to have it? And so, but yeah. well, hopefully 2021 will be a much, much better year. But we do yeah. plan to go back to X this year. And okay, so, good. Um, yeah, it's all. We should have the vaccine by then, so it shouldn't be any issue. And, and, yeah. and to be fair, we were in there uh, this past year, but we were mm-hmm. very careful not to. Nobody who was sick was allowed to go to right. make sure we don't pass anything on. Right. To yeah, how did what, did we ever figure out Bigfoot was real? No, he died of COVID because of the yeah. <laughs> you know, oops, that would not look good. No, <laughs> no, so. you know, it's and. Like, as much as I love researching and I love seeing all my people and everything, you know, it's it's scary. It's scary. Like, I went to a conference and I remember walking into the room, the banquet room, and it was, like, hot and moist and stale. And I just felt like I was breathing everybody's breath, their COVID-tainted breath, as I walked in. And I just kind of backed out and, like... <gasps> took a breath and I was like, I don't know if I can go in there. I just don't know if I feel okay with that, you know? And, um, I went to other outdoor conferences and that was okay. That felt really great. You know, you can stand back and chat and it's good. Yeah. Yeah. But it's those indoor ones and those are typically so packed with, it was packed packed in and it's just, you know, you have to to do what you feel comfortable with. And that's how I live my life. I don't live my life for anybody but myself and my family. And right. Peer pressure means nothing to you. No. I mean, this is the one that chases Bigfoot, like literally sees a Bigfoot and runs at it. So, I mean, your peer pressure means nothing to this woman. No. Couldn't care less. And I don't need to, I have a job, so I don't need to add additional things onto my list of things to do. So From home, especially, you know, it's, um, yeah. Yeah, we should have done it at home conferences. That would have been fun. I yeah, you know, I think they the they conference of people doing it on Zoom. They just take their to their time. That would have been fun, actually. Yeah, they actually there are a couple of those going on. Um, <laughs> Patrick said there's too much hot air. That was that's you're not wrong, Pat. You're not wrong. Um, okay, one last question: If sure. you could research with anyone past or present, who would it be? Besides well, Bob, Bob doesn't count. <laughs> um, well, I have been footed with with uh, Bob Gimlin several times, so not that Bob. Oh, you mean Strain? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been with him all the time. Um, I think I would have liked to have gotten to know Krantz a little better. Mm-hmm. He, uh, even though we've spoke before, he passed away, um, and he gave me some good advice. I didn't get a chance to uh, do anything with him, and that would have been. I think important. He's he's pretty significant. I I you know I knew John Green before he passed. I know mm-hmm. Peter Byrne, um, and so he would be the the person I think that of course Jane Goodall would be fun too. But oh. you know I'm never gonna let that's never gonna happen. I so. know. Um, um, but yeah, I, I think I could have learned a lot from Glover. Um, like I said, he did pass on some valuable information, but not near as much as I would have liked to to have gotten. And so I, I really admire him. Uh, greatly and you know I knew John Vanderwinkle and I know Jeff Meldrum and I know I bigfooted with Rick Noel I mean there's a lot of people I have bigfooted with and so um he's he's the one that I think could have could have given me some advice and Mm -hmm. what I'm doing wrong 
or what I could do better. Right. Than, especially then. Back then, I really could have used it because I was yeah. definitely not not as skilled as I am now. Of course. <laughs> yeah, well, that's excellent. Um, so and I want now I remember to take the the camera out of my pocket oh. instead of just going. Wonder where my camera is. I think it's in my backpack back in the car, one mile back that direction. <laughs> Next step is taking the lens cap off of the camera yeah. and making I'm, sure I'm, you have batteries. I'm starting to get there. So. <laughs> it's it's a process. Um, well, um, do you have anything else you want to add? Any anything else you need to cover? No. Okay. No, I really enjoyed myself. Thank you for uh, having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on and continuing my uh, Ladies Month. So this is awesome. I'm doing Ladies Month. I'm promoting female researchers in the field. I think that's, that's something that's near and dear to my heart, um, being raised by a veteran female researcher and, um, having women like you as role models to help me get out there and help me feel confident in my research and, and confident being out there shoulder to shoulder with the dudes, you know? Yeah. Well, my, my greatest advice that I've always given women is, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. The worst thing that can happen is Bigfoot kills you. Eh. I then mean, you, hopefully they'll find grab some hairs. He's killing you. So that's what I always DNA, say. You know, that's what I always say. So don't be afraid of anything. There's, yeah. there's humans are more scary than Bigfoot, in my opinion. I'd Absolutely. rather run into a Bigfoot or a bear than somebody growing a marijuana plant out there. Absolutely. Not um, interested. So. Meth heads and hogs. That's what I'm terrified of. Yep. That's my nightmare fuel right there. And spiders. You know. Yeah, Ariax has a lot of spiders, and they're, like, oh, this big. So. No. If I have to brave the spiders to find Bigfoot, I guess I will get past it and make it happen. Yeah, you just learned to take a stick where you're walking, and you just pull yes. it in front of you. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm sure Bigfoot's going, this is some kind of human mating call. <laughs> like, you know, I always uh, send someone ahead of me. I call them a silk blazer and just yeah. send them ahead of me, and they can collect all that spider webs. That's all them. Yeah, it doesn't do me any good to be that, that lead person because I'm this tall and everybody else is up here, so they're still going to eat the spider web no matter what I do. Oh, I, yeah. I usually walk under them. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on tonight, Kathy. I, I'm honored to have you on the show, and I know that everybody was just looking forward to um, having you on so much, you know, because you're just a fount of information. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. So thank you again for coming on and good luck with your works. And we look forward to seeing your newest um, project. The proof is out there, which airs Tuesday evening and um, in the second season, which is, you know, already been approved. That's awesome. That means we can binge watch you guys binge. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Kathy. All right. Thank you. All right. Good night. Okay, everybody, I want to thank Kathy again for coming on. She was a fantastic guest, and I'm I'm so blessed, you guys, to have such amazing guests on that just teach us so much. I don't know about you, but I learn so much from every single guest. I appreciate everybody who showed up for the live show and asked questions of Kathy. Um, you guys really helped get the best of that interview going on um, because, you know, we just get all different views uh, to ask her. So our next guest is actually Mary Joyce, and she is is an, also a Bigfoot author and covers a variety of topics that we'll be talking about, one of which is the Cherokee Little People. Um, that is not something I'm super familiar with, um, but I'm definitely interested in it. So you guys, you know, definitely tune in. That will be January 17th. 
um, continuing with our Ladies Month um, theme that we have going on here to support female researchers. So thank you again for tuning into the show tonight. I hope you guys liked it. Please drop a comment and let me know what you thought of the show, as well as who you would like to see me interview in the future. And don't forget to check out Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio social media sites, as I mentioned earlier, for extra content and info on upcoming shows. We do have a Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio fan page, which is a private Facebook group, which is an extension of our live chat. You can go in there, you can network, you can um, continue the conversations from the chat unless they were mean, then I'm going to have to kick you out. And um, you can promote your own stuff in there at this time. So you guys stay safe, stay open-minded, and be kind, you guys. I will see y'all next time.